your friends in Christ. For those of us who are baseball fans, we're currently in the home stretch of this season. And our beloved Detroit Tigers are currently in last place in the American League Central Division. And they're still sporting the worst record in professional baseball. Now, I was talking to my son Jonathan the other night, and he loves the Tigers. And I was saying, it's been a tough season. And he goes, well, Dad, actually, for that professorial tone, he said, it is good that the Tigers have the worst record in baseball. Because if they're going to be bad and stink and not make the playoffs, they might as well be the worst and get the first draft pick possible. And I said, there's some logic to that. And if you know Jonathan, that sounds very much like him. But for those of us who love the game of baseball, regardless of who you're rooting for, or how our team is doing, we look forward to October, the coming of the playoffs and the World Series, even though this year our Tigers will not be. Now, one of the great baseball movies of all time, it's one of the iconic films of all time, is the movie The Old of Dreams. By a show of hands, how many of us have seen The Old of Dreams? Many of us have. If we've not seen it, or it came out 30 years ago, if you can believe that, let me just briefly review the storyline with you. In The Old of Dreams, an Iowa farmer named Ray Kinsella, who's played by a very young Kevin Costner, hears a mysterious voice one day that tells him, if you build it, he will come. So Ray feels the need to go and then act on that voice. And he starts to construct in a cornfield in the middle of the middle the baseball game. Once constructed, this is a fictional movie, of course, that night some of the great players from the past come out to play in this field. Players like Sears Joe and others from the 1919 Chicago White Sox or nicknamed 1919 Chicago Black Sox team. But what Ray quickly comes to realize is that the field of dreams is much more than about bringing back great players from the past to play the game again. It's really about reconciliation. For you see, Ray is not speaking to his father, John Kinsella. He was estranged from his dad, John, who was a baseball player in his own day at the time of his father's death. So I'd like to now show you a brief clip from the end of the movie, Field of Dreams, where you see the son once again meeting the father and shows the power of reconciliation. He's got his whole life in front of him, and I'm not even a threat in his own life. I want to introduce him to his granddaughter. Hi. Hi. I just wanted to thank you folks for putting up this field. Let us play here. I'm John Kinsella. I'm your head. My wife, Annie. This is my daughter, Karen. Karen, this is my... This is John. Hi, John. <laughs> Hello, Karen. Well, we're going to let you two talk. I mean, all these people are going to come. We've got a lot of work to do. a very sexual movie, of course, but Field of Dreams is really not a movie 
about this stuff. When you watch this movie about reconciliation and the power of forgiveness, and as we continue in our summer sermon series today, major league, as we have each week of the summer been looking at by the power of the Holy Spirit, taking our faith in God to the next level, being open to God, creating more of a major league faith and walk with us in our lives. Today we're going to be examining reconciliation and the power of forgiveness and how to be open to God according to times of reconciliation can really open us up more to God creating that more major league walk in faith that He desires for us. Now, C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author, once said this. He said, everyone says forgiving and reconciling is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive or someone to be reconciled to. And there's probably a lot of truth in that quote. And in our gospel text today that Michelle read, we see in Matthew 5 from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking about the need, the urgency, the importance of reconciliation. And as we look through Scripture, there's probably not a more powerful or poignant story that underscores the point that Jesus is making in our gospel text today than the story of Joseph and his brothers from the Old Testament. And today we're going to review in part of that story. We're going to glean from the story of Joseph and his brothers three keys regarding reconciliation. And again, I think these three keys will help us as we live out our life in faith with the Lord seem to be more open to those God-appointed moments where He calls us to be open to reconciliation and open to forgiveness. Now, the first key that we glean regarding reconciliation from the story of Joseph and his brothers, and again, we acknowledge things happen in this life. Things happen with relationships. There will be disruptions and fractures and friendships and other things that fall apart. But through it all, God, at this key, has a divine plan for all of us and relationships in our lives. And to explore this first key a little more, we're going to review the story of Joseph from the Old Testament. Now, as you may know, Joseph was one of two sons born to Jacob and to Rachel. Now, Joseph was the envy of all of his other brothers, the other sons that Jacob had through other women. Now, these brothers of Joseph were very envious. It was clear that Joseph was Father Jacob's favorite son. Joseph knew it, and his brothers knew it. And one day, the brothers see an opportunity. They thought, take care of this Joseph problem. And it's a case of sibling rivalry gone bad. It's jealousy to the extreme, but God will use this case ultimately, ultimately, to save this family and to save his nation, Israel. And as we know the story goes, at first, the brothers were going to just outright murder Joseph. Then they went to plan B, and they decided to sell him in slavery instead, and then lie to his father Jacob that a wild animal had killed him. So that's what happened. Joseph gets dragged from his family, dragged from his homeland, thrown in that wagon, thinking he would probably never see a family member again. He gets sold into slavery into Egypt to an official named Potiphar. And Scripture says that Joseph did a good job as a slave in Potiphar's house. He was given tasks of responsibility and did well. One day Potiphar goes off on a work trip, and Mrs. Potiphar comes on to Joseph. Joseph does the right thing and rebuffs her sexual advances. That makes Mrs. Potiphar mad. Uh, hubby comes home, he falsely accuses Joseph of sexual assault, husband believes wife, Joseph ends up in Egyptian prison cell. And then through a series of divine events over the next 20 years, this young Hebrew slave starts to gain the favorable attention of the Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in Egypt. 
and he becomes the number two man, the right-hand person, the prime minister to the church. And from that position, and from the wisdom that God imparts to Joseph, Joseph then as a ruler starts to navigate Egypt. We can see him the years of feast, and through some years and seasons of famine, so that we, that uh, Egypt is in a position when a great regional drought strikes the ancient Near East, that they have plenty of food while the surrounding nations do not. And during that great drought, Joseph's family back in Israel still is starving. Jacob desperate to save his family from ten of his eleven remaining sons to Egypt to try to procure some food. So they stand before Joseph and ten brothers, not recognizing it for one that they had done so wrong two decades before. And Joseph has quite a bit of power over them. He literally has life and death power over them. And no one would blame him if he would accept the ultimate revenge. But Joseph, even though he recognizes his brothers, they don't recognize him. He decides to test them first. And he finds out that his brothers are no longer the hard-hearted, cold, callous brothers that sold him into slavery. He sees their change, and he becomes, as Michelle read in our text today, overwhelmed with emotion. And we pick up our text now from Genesis 45 at verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph recognized that God had a plan. Now, yes, he had 20 years to process that. And some of those 20 years he was a slave. And he also was sitting in a jail cell for a lot of years for a crime he never committed. And I'm sure he had his moments. His name was Joseph, not Jesus. He was human. I'm sure he had his moments in his weeks and months and years where he struggled to see any plan that the Lord had for him and his life. But in the end, he was open to God's plan and God's sovereignty. And he came to realize that everything he went through, as bad as it was, ultimately put him in a place for God to use him to save his family and to save his nation. Now, sometimes looking back, it's Sometimes when we're in the middle of a struggle, we're in the middle of a battle, when a life copy is strong, when we're going through some very troubled relationship waters, it's hard to see any plan that God may have. We may struggle to see any good for what we're going through. We may not see any possible answers to the whys that are running through our head. And I'm sure Joseph struggled with that as well. But in the end, he was open in God's timing to the reconciliation opportunity that the Lord puts before him in Genesis 45. And you and I know experientially, things happen, don't they, in the rough and tumble of life. Things happen in the rough and tumble of relationships. Sometimes some nasty things get said between family members. Sometimes, over little things or big things, we stop speaking to family members or lifelong friends or fellow parishioners or fellow co-workers, other students, other athletes, our neighbors. Through it all, through the choppiest of waters that we may go through, God calls us forward to remain open to His plan 
Now he may speak in the right time, but there's an opportunity for reconciliation. And this leads to our second theme today regarding the story of Joseph and what we can glean about the importance of being open to what Christ speaks about in our gospel text today is the openness to reconciliation and leadership. But as we know, we are going to go through those tough, mucky, challenging relationship fracturing types of issues with family and friends and coworkers. And we will not always, in the second team, understand all of God's plans and His lies, not only during it, but perhaps sometime period after. Now the evil, and it was evil that Joseph's brothers perpetrated toward him. Now, that hurt of having family members come to kill you or sell you into slavery and then lie and break the heart of your dad, I think for many of us might cause irreconcilable differences with those family members. It might cause us never to even consider the opportunity to forgive them. And I'm sure he struggled with those tremendously. But in the end, all that he went through, all the injustices could not stand in the way of God's plan to ultimately use Joseph to save himself, save his family, and save his covenant people, Israel. Joseph recognizes that the brothers intended harm or evil for him. But yet, he didn't have to use it for good. And it's reflected in our text today. Let's go to Genesis 45, now at verse 7. After Joseph had just revealed himself to his brothers, can you imagine how those brothers would have felt when they realized they got the real Joseph? Joseph, the one they had done so wrong 20 years before? I bet those were 10 big gulps that you heard in Egypt. I'm sure their hearts just sank through their stomachs. I'm sure they thought the world was coming to an end. But what does Joseph do? He reveals how this is a part of God's plan. And he says to them, Brothers, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it's not you who sent me here to Egypt ultimately. But it was you. And some time later, at the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 50, the last chapter of the first book of the Bible, as Joseph is growing in his faith, growing in his walk with his Lord, as God was continuing to grow in him a more majorly walk with him, you see Joseph enjoying some of the fruits of reconciliation. And he says to his brothers, You intended harm to me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So yes, the evil they wanted to inflict upon him is not going to use it for so much good. God always sees the whole picture when we are in our toughest relationship issues and fractures when we're in the muck and the mud whether it's family, friends, co-workers, whoever it is. He always sees the big picture where when we're in the midst of it, and maybe afterwards, we only see a fraction of that picture. I am sure Joseph, when he was getting over the initial shock of brothers A wanting to kill him, being thrown into the slavery, being thrown into the wagon, being chained in that wagon, being dragged off, thinking he would never see a single family member again, I'm sure there were times he thought in those opening days and weeks and probably years he would never forgive himself. That if God ever presented an opportunity for reconciliation to see him again, I'm sure he thought he would never be open to that. I'm sure he could not for a long time see God's plan and all the suffering he was going through. He was serving almost a 20-year prison time for a crime he didn't do 
I've given a time to hate his brother, that he died with God, that he was angry with God. But through it all, over time, while in Egypt, he would start to come to understand in part some of what God was doing through him. And yes, this very hard to understand plan would ultimately involve forgiving his brother and being open to reconciling. Now, I'd like each of us to think today for just a moment of a person in our lives. Now, there may be, may be more than one person, but it's a person in our lives. It could be in the past. It could be very much in the present where we're struggling to forgive them. We might think that if people knew that they did to me or did to you or said about you, no one would ever blame you or me for not forgiving. Think about such a person. Or maybe it's a person you think you've forgiven, but when we're honest and we look in the recesses of our heart, we really haven't forgiven them. Think of a person or a circumstance, or maybe it's a group of people that you just absolutely maybe feel like there is no way if God presented the opportunity, you'd even be open to reconcile. Now, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands. I would imagine that applies to most of us, and I can say it applies to you. I can think of a person, I can think of a circumstance in the past, okay? We all have that. But just imagine for a moment, trying to put yourself or myself in Joseph's scandal here in the book of Genesis. To forgive a family member or members who wanted to kill you, who would spare you in slavery and rob you of two decades of life and all, uh, all the other things that we can't imagine. That's about as tough to forgive as possible. That's about the most challenging thing, I think, to be open to reconciliation for. And though he struggled with it, Joseph and God presented that opportunity in our text today from Genesis 45 as open to it. Now, you think about it for a moment. When Joseph revealed his characteristics, what could he do? What were his options? He could have denied him food, right? Sent him back to Egypt, and they probably might have starved to death. He could have imprisoned him, right? He could have enslaved him. He could have tortured them. He could have capitally executed them. And I doubt too many people would have battled an eye and if they knew the story, would have blamed them. And that really leads us to our third key today that we can bring from the story of Joseph and his brothers regarding reconciliation. And that is, no matter how challenging some of the relationship issues that we may have or will experience in the future, family, friends, the whole thing, we need to be open in God's timing and willing to seek reconciliation. Again, Joseph had life and death power over his brothers, and he would have been well within his life to get his revenge. But had he gotten revenge, they put his brothers to death, it would have robbed him. It would have robbed him of the future joy that God wanted to experience the blessings of reconciliation. Joseph did not allow the grievous wrongs, and they were grievous wrongs done to him, to ultimately fester in his heart to the point where he would not be open to forgiving them. Now, again, he would have had his moments in those two decades. No doubt, like you and I would, and we do. But ultimately, as Jesus calls us today in the Sermon on the Mount, we need to release and turn those feelings over to him. And it's not easy, is it, sometimes to seek reconciliation or to forgive those who really hurt us? Because the hurt or the estrangement may go way back. You may be dealing with quite a multi-layered onion situation that would be hard for anybody else to understand. Or the wound that we incurred may go so deep. But yet God's word consistently calls us to be open to reconciliation. And as a part of this third key today, 
and by being open to reconciliation and, and the work that God wants to do that to ultimately grow us in a more majorly faith and walk with Him. And see, within that reason, I think, too, three reasons why we should give as a process of reconciliation. The first reason we should give, as we talked about in the kids' message a few minutes ago, is simply because God has forgiven us. Paul instructs us in Ephesians 4, 32, to be kind and compassionate to one forgiving each other just as Christ, and Christ God has forgiven you and me. God has forgiven the grievous wrongs, the big and small of our past, our present, and He will do it in the future as well. We do not deserve to be reconciled to God through Christ, blood, and death, and resurrection. If God can forgive us, we can certainly be open to forgiving those who wrong us. Because again, we never have or we never will, will we? Deserve God's forgiveness and His grace and His mercy. C.S. Lewis, the quote of the second time today, says this To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Let me repeat that first part of that quote again. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and me. The second reason we forgive that we're open to reconciliation is that because otherwise unforgiveness makes us miserable. It's because the only thing that will cost us more in this life than forgiveness is unforgiveness. And Jesus in our gospel text today, I think an urgency in what he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about reconciliation. But go make right with your brother and your sister to settle matters quickly as he says with your adversary. We're called to forgive ultimately not because that other person deserves it, but because we deserve it. Because if we do not forgive someone, the poison and the toxin from a hardened, unforgiving heart, it's going to spread throughout our lives. And Paul advises us in Ephesians 4, this time from verse 26. He says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give, as we go into verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. Unforgiveness, unwillingness to reconcile, give the devil a foothold in our hearts and in our lives. And here Paul is using battle or military terminology. And I think it's good reason to get reflects the spiritual warfare that Satan wages upon us. Satan, in other words, would like us nothing better than to be miserable, right? He'd love us to be miserable. And whatever that relationship is in question, to have that unforgiving and hardened heart for that person. And if we continue that way, the toxin and poison from that hardened, unforgiving heart ultimately will not only permanently damage the relationship in question, but that toxic equation can spread to other relationships in our lives, adversely affecting them. And Satan's ultimate goal is it, to have that toxic equation from an unforgiving heart ultimately affect the most important relationship in our lives. And that's our relationship with Jesus. And the third reason that we forgive, that we're open to reconciliation, is someday, and there are many days, we need the forgiveness of others, don't we? To put it in the context of our story today from Genesis 45, we are Joseph's brothers, right? And what we do to someone else. If Joseph had held a grudge, there would have been no chance at reconciliation. Had he paid his brothers back what the world would say was due to them, it would have robbed them of that future joy, that blessedness that we saw in Genesis 50 that God wanted for Joseph and his extended family. And it would have impeded what else? God had called Joseph to do and do in this life. In our text today, 
Joseph is demonstrating what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Joseph shows a Christ-like attitude of reconciliation for the brother. And beyond our text today from Genesis 45, we see in chapter 45, verse 15, this happened. And he, Joseph, took all his brothers and he wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers, they talked with him. Here we see the joy. Here we see the fruit. Here we see the blessedness of reconciliation, even in the most challenging of family conflicts. In our earlier video clip, we saw the joy of reconciliation as Ray was willing to reconcile with his father. And as we wrap up our time in God's Word today, may we by the whole power of the Holy Spirit, number one, recognize that indeed God has a plan. He does have a plan for our life and our relationship. Number two, no matter what happens in life, and in the rough and tumble of relationships and the difficulties that we will encounter across the board at times with people. It's easy and natural for us when we're in the midst of the muck of a struggle to focus on the wise and rather and we sight of keeping our focus on the who. The who rather than Jesus. And third and finally, God's help. As we live out this wonderful life and the blessed relationship we get with, to be open to His God appointed time where he will bring about, as in the case of Joseph and his brothers, an opportunity to reconcile. And as Jesus says in our gospel text today, make his first picture reconcile with an adversary. Be open to the power of forgiveness. And through such an open, God will continue to work in you and me a more major faith in God. In the name of Jesus, amen.